Welcome to the Wealth Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, John Lawson, Senior Wealth Advisor at Asante Capital Management and co-founder of Sauna Family Office. We're always looking for unique ways to educate our client families and be introduced to new clients. At Sauna Family Office, we help business owners and affluent families navigate the complexities of wealth through a variety of wealth management and family enterprise oversight services. Today on the Wealth Wisdom Podcast, we have my partner, Josh Dick, here to help me talk about the five tips and tricks for effective charitable giving. All right, Josh, let's talk about the five tips and tricks for effective charitable giving. Um, how about we start with planning? What does that have to do with this? Yeah, and we do a lot of planning. We talk a lot about planning too, but it really is the foundation for what we do. And, and plan giving is really no different than anything else, whether it's retirement planning or estate planning. There has to be a plan in place to how to give because it gives you a forward look at how much you can give, when does it make sense to give, um, and the amount uh, that you should be giving. So the plan really helps put that in place and give you a roadmap for, for how to tackle this conversation, how to tackle this um, ability to use the resources that you've accumulated to give back. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And if we talk about or or look at just some client examples, um, you know, we've had clients that didn't think they had the ability to give or really just weren't sure. And we walk through a plan and they're, they're quite frankly stunned at, at the uh, effect that they can have for their favorite charity um, without really causing any uh, hardship on themselves whatsoever. Yeah, I agree, John. And just to kind of snowball off that, um, I think that when you when you actually do the plan um, ahead of time, it's something that, you know, once you've donated that money, you can't pull that back. So you want to be sure that you are in a position that you can comfortably do that and have the peace of mind to do it when you're ready to, to make that decision. Yeah. And isn't it a also a, uh, a fact that uh, it's amazing how many times when we do plan giving uh, and it's the first time uh, that somebody uh, puts that into action uh, and they uh, they give within their lifetime um, and they just the the feeling that comes uh, within them, uh, they just want to do it again. So it, it's it's kind of cool to be part of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think you're right. It's cool to see them actually make an impact and, and let them see that play out uh, right in front of their eyes. Um, but just to kind of dovetail off of that, John, we talked about making sure we've got a plan in place to, to make sure that we can give effectively. But a lot of times we see that, that question, like, when do I give? Do I give regularly? Should I give lump sums? Like, talk a little bit about that. Like, what do you think on that side? Yeah, and so that's that's really point two that we wanted to talk about is uh, should you give regularly or should you do it in a lump sum? Should you do it while you're alive or should you wait until you're uh, uh, passed away? Um, so uh, first and foremost, there is no right answer for everybody. Uh, it has to do with your individual circumstance. So wrap it back to the planning side of it. Um, the, uh, I do not think that a regular 
contribution uh, to your charity is a bad thing. I think it's a way to get started and um, get comfortable with it. And you'll be surprised then at the end of the year, oh, I've got this uh, charitable uh, um, receipt. Uh, so yes, that helps tax-wise, but uh, also, wow, look how much that I've given to the charity and look how appreciative they are uh, for that. Um, versus lump sum. With lump sum, you can be more strategic uh, with that lump sum. And, and what I mean by that, and we'll talk a little bit about it after this, is how you give and making sure that it is the most tax effective way to give. Um, you, you always get that tax credit. Most charities will issue one if it's $20 or more. Um, but it's, can you multiply, uh, your tax savings? And, and the answer is yes, you can. And we'll touch a little bit more on that. So I think the lump sum gives you the ability to be more strategic. Um, Josh, what do you think about uh, giving while you're alive versus uh, once you passed on? That's a good question, John. We see uh, we see that question come up quite a bit. Uh, whether uh, individuals should be looking to give to their to charities of their choice uh, while they're still alive, um, or waiting until they've passed and, and have that um, that bigger charitable donation happen uh, at the time of their passing through their will. And so, with that, um, I personally like to like the idea of a a blend of the two. I really like the idea of people being able to give to a charity while they're alive and actually see what that charity is able to do and, and how they're able to make an impact um, while they're alive. However, a lot of times there is that concern as to, I want to make sure that I have enough to cover my needs while I'm alive. And so we do see uh, a good portion of the donations be done on, uh, on passing through the will. Um, and so even still there, you can leave a legacy and, and you can still be a donation made in the name of someone and still continue to make an impact. And I think that's where future generations are the ones who get to actually see the impact of, of the uh, donations that are made at that time. So I really do like a blend of both um, for those two reasons specifically. Yep, I'm dead on. I 100% agreement. Um, give while you're alive. It's kind of like giving to your uh, kids and grandkids. We hear this a lot from uh, clients is I don't want to leave it my all in my will. I want to actually enjoy and see. And uh, same thing with giving to your charity. You want to see the impact uh, that it has. And uh, quite honestly, what we see is as they give throughout their lifetime, um, they uh, they do get more involved and do tend to uh, um, give more over their life and then once they've passed. So let's talk a little bit then about uh, ways uh, to give. And um, it really breaks into uh, three different parts that I'm thinking about. Uh, uh, In-kind securities, RSPs, and insurance. Those are kind of the three last points that we had in there. Let's talk about in-kind securities. Why is that such a big deal and what does it mean? Yeah. Yeah, the donating the in-kind securities is a really, really effective tool that I think um, sometimes goes um, unnoticed or people aren't aware of. And so basically what it is, is when you have uh, investments that have growth in them um, outside of, say, an RSP or a RIF or a tax-free savings account, so in a non-registered account, 
eventually there will be tax to be paid on those investments. Um, and so one way to effectively give is to take those investments that have a nice growth on them right now, but you haven't sold them. And you actually take those investments specifically and you give them to the charity without selling them on your end. The charity then on the back end, they will sell them and then they will receive the proceeds from those investments. And the reason why it's such a big win and why we really like this strategy is because you don't have to pay the, the tax to sell the investments and then donate. You actually avoid the tax from that, but you still get the full donation receipt of the value that you've donated. Um, so it's really, really effective way to give. Um, and it provides a, a nice tax win uh, along the way as well. Yep, absolutely. So double win, uh, you get the charitable tax receipt, plus you uh, are ex uh, exempt or you get a uh, credit for that uh, uh capital gains uh, tax that you would have played. So uh, effectively zero tax and you still get the tax credit. Uh, awesome way to go. Um, so please, anybody who's listening and wants to do that for this year, uh, number one, get on it right away because it takes time. Uh, and number two, please make sure that you talk to your, uh, your tax specialist, uh, your accountant and your uh, uh, wealth planner to make sure that you're doing it correctly. Then what is the deal with RSPs? Uh, I've, I've heard it referred to as the, uh, uh, the quickest way to make a charitable contribution. Yeah, those, those RSPs are, are great as you're building them, of course, with your uh, tax deduction along the way. But they are one of the biggest sources of, of tax liability uh, on the second passing of, uh, of spouses. And so one way that can help mitigate that tax bill would be to, on second passing of a spouse, would be to actually name a charity as the direct beneficiary. And what this does is it actually basically would, would allow the money to flow right from the RSP or the RIF account to the charity. But because there is a donation of the same amount of the RSP, you're going to receive a tax credit that will offset the tax that would typically be triggered from that. So it really helps reduce your overall estate taxes. Um, so it is one very, very effective way, John, to your point, I think you, you mentioned it there, but you actually, when you actually pay out money from a beneficiary, it pays out rather quick too. It doesn't have to run through the whole probate process, which can take time and, 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 and added costs. It's a really quick, efficient way to donate, to help offset tax and, and really, and John, maybe you can speak to this too, uh, but really what you're doing is you're redirecting the funds away from CRA and to a charity that, that, uh, that's your choice. Yeah, you read my mind there, Josh. I was, as you were talking, I just thought about uh, the fact that what people don't realize is when they list out beneficiaries, uh, let's say you have two kids. Um, well, you know what? You actually have three. Uh, and uh, that third child is CRA. And that child is a spoiled brat and they take a big chunk of the pie. Uh, and so what you're doing when you uh, list the charity uh, is you're cutting out CRA from that taxable uh, amount. And if, if some people get worried about, well, let's say I have half a million dollars in my uh, uh, combined RIFs. And I want my two kids to get uh, get that money. Well, that half a million dollars, when uh, is actually all taxable in one year when the second passes, 
so therefore, it's going to be at the highest uh, uh, tax bracket, which is roughly about 53% in BC. So let's just even round it to 50%. That means half of that money is not going to your kids anyways. It's going to CRA. So why don't you designate the beneficiary to a charity and then if there's other ways, if, if uh, there's not other inheritance to the uh, uh, kids or, or not as much as you as wish, you can talk to your planner about uh, different ways to re-enhance their uh, amount uh, that they're getting and receiving as a uh, inheritance from you. And, and maybe we'll touch on that a little bit uh, after this as well. Yeah. No, that's great thought, John. Um, it is one of those 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 things that uh, the tax bill is coming, and so uh, charitable donations is a phenomenal way to help offset that and and just redirect that money. Um, of course, to your point at the end, there it does come with um, some other questions about uh, making sure that um, the inheritance to the to the children or the beneficiaries is still intact. And so maybe we'll segue into just insurance, and and you know, insurance is one of those tools that can really be effectively used in the charitable giving space. So um, why don't you unpack that a little bit of the different ways it can be used? Okay, so uh, first and foremost, what I would say is there's really two types of people in life. Those that hate insurance companies and don't ever want to deal with them in any format whatsoever. And those that maybe aren't necessarily fans of them, uh, but understand that they have a tool uh, and that tool can be very, very useful in the correct settings. Uh, and it can be beneficial to you or uh, your loved ones or your favorite charity. So let's just get that right out in front. We understand that uh, uh, insurance companies are not the most loved, um, but I err down to the side of uh, they have a very, very useful tool and it works well in certain circumstances. So do the analysis, get the information so that you can make an informed decision with an open mind, not just saying, okay, I hate them, so I'm not going to deal with this at all, or even think about uh, using that tool. So let's move on to how can you use it? If we go back to the uh, example we just talked about where you make the charity the direct beneficiary of uh, the uh, uh, RSPs or RIFs, then on second passing, by the way, is what we're talking about, uh, so on the second spouse, um, then uh, if you want to make up the amount that you're Go back to that example, two kids uh, would be losing out of that. And in our example, it was 500,000 in total. So 250,000 is roughly what uh, would be taken away from them. Therefore, another $250,000 uh, would you would want to make up for your kids. Life insurance can be the perfect uh, tool to do that. It would flow to the kids tax-free. Uh, and it, directly to them, uh, does not go through uh, probate. Um, so it's a quick uh, uh, payout uh, to the kids. Um, the caveat is this type of planning has to be done when you are able to qualify for life insurance. So health has to be there to at least a certain extent. Um, 
So that is uh, that is one way to utilize uh, life insurance, and that was carrying on from our previous example. The other way is if you are giving, and let's go back to what we talked about frequency of giving. If you're giving on a monthly basis to your uh, uh, charity of choice or multiple charities, then what about taking that monthly amount and using that uh, to uh, purchase a life insurance policy? So instead of over a, a 25, 30 year period of time, giving, uh, a, call it $100,000 in, uh, in monthly contributions to a uh, charity, why don't you get a life insurance policy, use that to pay the premiums, and then you've probably multiplied that by three times plus uh, the impact to the charity. Um, that's a massive uptick for dollars to the charity. And yes, you can get your charitable tax credit throughout the time. As you're paying that monthly payment or annually, if you want to pay it annually, you can get your tax receipt for that. Because if you put the ownership of that policy into the charity's name, then the premium payments that you make are tax deductible. So in your lifetime, you're getting the uh, charitable tax credit. And upon your passing, the charity gets that multipled uh, size of a uh, donation, which they would be very, very grateful for. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that, Josh? No, I think the, the biggest thing my you know takeaway as we, we think about all these different strategies and ways to, to give to charities is it, it really does come back to that plan. Like everyone's situation is so different. Everyone's desire for how they want to give is different and their situation. And so it really comes back to um, doing the plan, understanding what's the best way for you to give um, and then moving through the, the process to, to put that in place. But there is no one size fits all everyone's situation is so different and everyone's goals are different that uh, it, there really has to be a, um, a process followed in order to uncover what that looks like and what's the best way to get there for you and your family. Yep, absolutely. And so a couple reminders to people or thoughts maybe that you haven't even had. Uh, number one, if you're wanting, if, if you are doing some charitable giving at the end of the year here and you're wanting the tax credit for this year, it must be done by the end of the year. Please don't wait until the end of December to do this because uh, things can get hung up and all of a sudden the tax credit comes to you in, uh, in next year. And uh, if there's a reason specifically for taxes that you're doing it, that can be painful. Um, the other thing that I really like to open people's eyes to is you've got a superpower out there uh, in your community and it's called a community foundation. Um, what a community foundation uh, can do for you is create a, uh, a your own private foundation, if you wish. You can either use their set funds or you can use uh, create your own family foundation fund and donate the money into that. And where that really becomes effective is when you're not quite sure who you want to give to, or you are sure right now but you've recognized over your lifetime, you keep changing what charities mean 
to you, uh, what charities speak to you. And so maybe it was um, uh, uh, SPCA, and then it has shifted to heart and stroke. And then it shifted to Alzheimer's, um, or maybe you broadened and you want more than one. Um, the great thing about using a community foundation or a donor advised fund, which is done through uh, your wealth planner, uh, they're very much the same thing. You just list that entity. And then you don't have to change your will every time you make a shift in what charity is going to be that beneficiary when it comes to your uh, end, end planning uh, once you've passed away. So that's a huge magnifier. And if you want to know who needs uh, the most, uh, or not the most, who, who fits your needs the most in terms of charitable giving in your community, Talk to your uh, community foundation. They're uh, they're amazing at knowing the depth and and full disclosure here. I think uh, a lot of uh, longtime listeners know uh, I chair Surrey Cares Community Foundation, but I'm talking to anybody who lives anywhere uh, to talk to your community foundation uh, in that giving and also. Uh, talk to your wealth planner uh, because maybe the for whatever reason the foundation isn't uh, a perfect fit for you, but a donor advised fund uh, uh, works really well for you as well. The other thing with that, I'll go. What is the number one thing that drives people crazy when it comes to charitable giving? And I, this is top of mind because I was talking to my mom two days ago about this. It is all the inundation that you get, you give away once to somebody. And next thing, it's like the word is out. You've given money and everybody is sending mail to you and calendars and stickers and keychains and uh, whatever else and asking for you to donate. Um, it It is uh, and sometimes you, there's such a good story in there, you kind of feel twigged and, and you give a little bit and then it multiplies again. So that's giving by checkbook. Uh, and that is not the best way to give. And all that's going to do is perpetuate the mail uh, and the solicitation that you get. Uh, so another advantage of using a donor advised fund or DAF as they're referred to, or a community foundation is that you can stay anonymous and you cannot get bombarded with that kind of stuff. Josh, any other last words? No, John, I think you did a, a good job unpacking on the back end there with uh, different avenues to use to give. So yeah, I think, uh, I think that's great. Outstanding. And so I'll, uh, I'll just sum it up with uh, Josh, Josh's opening words is uh, uh, plan. And how do you plan? That's what we're here for. Uh, that's what we do. Uh, we love this part of the planning process. Um, and let's be honest, it's not for everybody. There are some people that just say, no, they're not interested. Uh, uh, my charity uh, starts with my family and, and that's totally fine. But if this is something that you want to explore, feel free to reach out and uh, we've got more information that we can send out to you. Uh, it's amazing how this impacts yourself uh, as well, of course, as the charities. So thanks, uh, Josh. Very much appreciate you taking the time to unpack this for clients. Yeah, thanks for having me, John.
A big thank you again to Josh for helping me walk through the five tips and tricks of effective charitable giving. Our next podcast will be a market update, recapping what has happened this year and what we see in store for 2023. Did I really just say 2023? Oh my goodness. These are always a fan favorite as we try and deliver the message in an informative manner and in plain English, so not difficult to understand. Looking forward to this as they're always fun to do. Ultimately, our goal is to educate and engage you, our audience. If you have any topics you would like us to dive deeper into, please let us know. If you could take a moment to post a review, that would be much appreciated as well. If you would like access to our other videos and podcasts or articles that we have done, visit us at saunafamilyoffice.com. And for those of you who don't know the origin of the name Sauna Family Office, it stems from the meaning of Asante, which is Swahili for thank you. However, most commonly spoken phrase in Swahili regarding Asante is Asante Sana, which simply means thank you very much. This name represents the gratitude towards all of the families and business owners who have chosen our team as their trusted advisory council. Until next time, Asante Sana. Hi, I'm Trevor Beggs from Sana Family Office, and thanks for listening to John Lawson and the Wealth Wisdom Podcast. Here are the necessary disclosures. Asante Capital Management is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the above, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed here are not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Wealth Wisdom Podcast.